0: It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art
1: Brooks. Hello, and welcome, everyone, in our worldwide audience for another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show, heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. Please go to our rescuersradioshow.org website, where you can hear all of the shows on podcast, and as this is a listener uh, donated, um, it's a, it, it's, it's a, it takes listeners to keep this show going. Uh, you'll find out a way to do that if you're so desire on the website as well. I'm excited about my guest today, uh, Scott Allen, who is president of Disciples Nations Alliance. Scott, uh, before, before we dive into the wonderful works uh, at DNA... Uh, please uh, let our audience know a little more about you. How did you, how did you get to this point
2: in your life, Scott? Hey, Art. It's great to be with you. And uh, yeah, um, that's a that's there's probably a long answer to that question. <laughs> I'll try to keep it kind of short, but uh, um, you know, probably I would start with uh, I was born and raised in the state of Oregon and uh, became a Christian when I was in. Um, uh, late in high school, my junior year of high school, um, my senior year of university up here in Oregon, I felt a strong call to from the, from the Lord to um, to minister ministry with the poor, um, and uh, went to a big missions conference that year called Urbana, um, with, uh, sponsored by InterVarsity and. Uh, Connected up there with some people uh, with an organization called Food for the Hungry, which (laughs) is a Christian relief and development organization that's based in Phoenix. Large. Yeah, large organization. Mm. And uh, this was back in in the late 80s. So I applied and was accepted uh, to serve with that organization, worked overseas with them for a number of years. And um, it just, uh, you know, after that got involved in training. Um, and was preparing other missionaries to go out overseas to serve with food for the hungry and poor communities. So I have a huge heart for for seeing broken and impoverished communities begin to flourish and to thrive again. But we became dissatisfied a little bit with some of the uh, approaches that a lot of Christian relief and development uh, organizations were doing in that respect. It was very much focused on... Hmm uh, you know, doing direct aid, um, you know, which I think, you know, in some cases makes sense in a disaster situation. If people are, you know, they're out of, they don't have any shelter, they don't have any food. We need to provide that. But in a situation that isn't a disaster where there's just ongoing poverty, um, just giving people a handout isn't really going to help them. In fact, it might actually make things worse. And I was concerned about that. And Mm. Me and my colleagues, uh, especially Daryl Miller, um, he's my mentor and colleague. He began to st- ask questions like this: Why is it that countries in Europe, which were as very, which were as poor as countries in Africa prior to the Reformation? Many people don't realize that we always think of countries in Europe and the Western countries as as rich as they always have been, and yeah. they haven't been very poor. But, within a couple of generations, they came out of poverty and became extremely wealthy. Was it because some wealthy countries gave them a bunch of handouts and foreign aid? No, mm-hmm. it's because they uh had the Bible open to them through the Reformation and began to apply the principles of a biblical worldview in everything that they did in education and in agriculture and in politics and and those that application of biblical truth had huge consequences for their economic development, for their social and political development. Uh, Most of us don't realize that. You know, we've, in the West, we've grown up with a lot of these biblical ideas and biblical principles. Even non-Christians are shaped by yeah. And they don't know where they came from. They're not even hardly aware of them. Uh, So we began to say, how do we, you know, the problem in the South, in Africa, with poverty, for example, isn't so much that they lack resources, or Haiti, you might think of Haiti, for example. Um, it's not that we're not doing enough with foreign aid. I mean, we give millions of dollars, right? Right. Or, you know, to countries like this. The problem really is deeper, it it has to do with ideas and beliefs at a foundational level, and lack of biblical worldview teaching. And so, well, Scott, Anyways, Scott. let's go. Yeah, let's go back. That's how I got involved in what I do now, basically. Yeah.
1: So, so mm-hmm. let's let's go right into the deep dive. Um, sure. DNA Disciple Nations Alliance. Yeah. Uh, please break that down for us, and uh, with a, the overview, then um, a ground level: uh, what and how uh, of DNA uh, has a purpose and mission.
2: Yeah, for sure. So the DNA is uh, an organization that we started to address that problem. We, um, you know, basically our target audience uh, is the church um, in, you know, the, the global south, but not not also now increasingly in the West as well. And it's a discipleship ministry. We're basically training and discipling Christians to begin to think and operate from a comprehensive biblical worldview and live that out in every area of their lives in order to see broken communities and nations rise out of poverty and begin to thrive and to flourish. So our focus is a lot of Christians um, have a kind of understanding of Christian mission that is true, but it's too narrow. It says something like, hey, we just got to preach the gospel, get people saved, and once they're saved and in a church job is done, we can move on yeah but that's not enough you have to actually disciple people they have a worldview you know if it's not a biblical worldview it's whatever worldview they grew up with if it's in a secular country it's a secular worldview like I grew up with if it's in a impoverished country in Africa it's likely an animistic or a fatalistic worldview those worldviews lead to poverty and brokenness in all sorts of ways so you have to train people to think differently uh, biblically. And that doesn't happen immediately at conversion when somebody becomes a Christian. That has to be a part of discipleship and training. Yeah. uh, And so that's what we do. And we have a particular focus. Our focus is really a lot of times when people talk about biblical worldview training, it's in the area of apologetics, which is really important, kind of winning arguments against nonbelievers. Ours is a little bit different in its focus, which is helping impoverished communities rise out of poverty. So...
1: Okay. So, um, gosh, uh, this is a very tall, ima- imaginative order and very large, important connection with Food for the Hungry. Yes. That's a good partner, right? Plus, yeah. Plus, great organization. Yeah. Doing good work. Yeah. yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. tell us more about that connection and how it came about.
2: Well, again, I for me, the connection came about because of my, my sense of calling. I really did sense God calling me to ministry to the poor and hungry. Um, and so naturally, you know, in response, in, in this is again in my kind of college days, I sought out Christian groups that were re- responding to those needs. And I had friends that were working with Food for the Hungry and encouraged me to check them out. And so I I joined them and worked with them for many years. They're doing really good work around the world. I think they're Um, still
1: hosting. uh, Is their headquarters here in Phoenix? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. So go ahead.
2: Yeah. So they're doing great work. It's, you know, in some ways, my heart hasn't changed at all. You know, I really do want to see, and that calling hasn't changed. I want to see uh, broken and impoverished communities rise out of poverty and by the way, these communities aren't just in places like Haiti and Africa they're increasingly in places like Detroit, Michigan, and uh, downtown Portland up here in Oregon, where I live you know wow, and how do you see them rise out of that kind of brokenness and poverty and and uh and that's really been my heart my the answer is um again, it's it's helping people, once they've become Christian, to live out fully the implications of a biblical worldview. What does it mean to be a human being? How do we live in relationship to others and to creation itself? And what does that mean for my vocation and my family and everything? So
1: Yeah. So when you talk about trans, uh, transformation of communities and nations, uh, yeah. how does that happen? And uh, you know as it as a top down or bottom up i mean uh, you're dealing with local and country jurisdictions wow that's that's a major plan <laughs> certainly a well, god plan
2: you know the the thing is it actually has happened i think sometimes we don't recognize our own you know history and the way that god has been working in the christian movement to see uh to see nations changed you know yeah. um and uh, there's a lot of it that's happened. um I think a lot of people, for example, might be familiar with somebody like a William Wilberforce right in England, yeah. you know him coming out of the Wesleyan revivals, and you know he said, "Hey, we've got this issue of you know slavery we're we're trafficking slaves all over the world as a, as a British people as a Christian people. It ought not to be this way. Why?" Why not? You know, that's really the question. Why? Why not? You know, if we're making money at this, why? Why stop? Right? And they were making money. Yeah, tons of. And work. the answer is because human beings aren't animals, right? We aren't animals to be traded. We're human beings made in the image of God with inval you know, we're with you know, incalculable worth. So slavery's abomination, right? So it needs to stop, and it did. You know, I mean, after a long time and a lot of hard work and you know that's just one small example of how a biblical truth in this case you know the the sanctity and the value of human life changed an entire nation so it's those kind of principles what are those principles from the bible that when they are lived out bring powerful change to a to a nation there's many of them yes. and again i think in the west we take them we just take them for granted cuz we've been shaped by them, but we don't even realize it. So.
1: Is, is it, is it probably, probably true with us, uh, without us even recognizing it because we're in America that uh, some of these things are, 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 that we don't like are going on anyway. I mean, slavery, not probably not so much, but, but racism uh, now we're seeing a lot of nasty stuff on the streets, but um Wow. It's, it's not just something over there, right? It's here. That's right. Yeah,
2: That's right. No, that's right. About uh, Well, in 2020, I actually released a book called Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. And it uh, did really well. There was a real uh, hunger for the message that was in that book. And yeah. so I was addressing some of these things that people were becoming aware of, Christians were becoming aware of, you know, uh, with the riots in 2020, um kind of the social justice movement you know which has got its roots in marxism and whatnot and i think christians for the first time were kind of shaken out of some complacency and said what in the world's going on what is this worldview?"
0: Yeah.
2: um and what i wanted to say is yeah you're right to be concerned this is a world view in other words it answers all the big questions of life it's rooted in atheism and it's taken root in our institutions now educational business sports you name it and if it continues unchecked, it'll destroy our country. It'll literally destroy us because it's it's just a false, destructive worldview. It's coming into our churches, too, sadly. Yeah. So I said, the only way that you're going to counter a comprehensive worldview, like this kind of neo-Marxist worldview, is with an equally comprehensive worldview. You know, the gospel is important, but the gospel message isn't enough. That's... That's central to our worldview, but it's not the entirety of it. We have to counter a worldview with a worldview, a biblical worldview. And uh, and frankly, a lot of the Christians in the West have been kind of complacent on that. We've kind of drifted along and haven't been really working on that. So, yeah, my call is to, you know, uh, we've got to get back to that kind of mindset that a lot of people, Christians generations ago had. Mm. of the, of our faith that that goes beyond it just being a message of salvation and a comp to a comprehensive worldview that has to be lived out in every area
1: yeah scott i'm going to take just a moment uh, i have a message for our audience if you came late into the rescuer show my guest is scott allen president of dna disciples nations and alliance and we're just right in the middle of 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 what all of that means and, and uh, what does it mean to us as Americans and across and, and the, cross the globe. I mean, you have tentacles of this all over the world, right?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, we started uh, a training program. We call it a vision conference. It's to envision Christians with this broader, bigger understanding of what their faith is and how it addresses the most serious broken, issues of brokenness in their country, and we started that in 1997 in Peru, and it spread like wildfire. Honestly, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. Um uh Isn't within fun? A, a, yeah, it's crazy. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was so exciting. Yeah. I just, I've never, in my life, I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, within a matter of, of weeks, you know, we were doing conferences in places like Myanmar and in Kenya, and and the Philippines, and it just spread like wildfire, all word of mouth. We didn't have any advertising budget. We didn't do any advertising. And um, Daryl Miller, my colleague, had written a book called Discipling Nations. Uh, I encourage your listeners to check that book out. Um, And uh, that book has been translated into many languages. I think it's probably a dozen languages around the world. And that was a big part of the spread of the training. So Yeah, since that time, our teaching, and we have trainers now as well, actively working in probably about 100 nations around the world. Wow.
1: So, um, Scott, please walk us through your vision of uh, five-day vision conferences Mm. in various countries. And What is this?
2: Yeah, so, again, what we're trying to do is – Oh,
1: before you, before you you do that, I love the word <laughs> kind, kindomizer, kingdom. Oh, kingdomizer, kingdomizer, yeah, yeah kingdomizer. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> There's some power in that yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, well, we believe that, you know, as Christians, we, you know, Jesus is the king, right? And he yeah. said so. That's what he said when he came back and appeared to his disciples on the shores of Lake Galilee after his uh, resurrection. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me you know, and, uh, go out and make disciples of all the nations. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, what we take that to mean is that we need to let the nations know that, um, Jesus is King and he's not just King when he comes back. Uh, he's King right now. He has all authority right now. And not just authority over some limited spiritual realm of life, but over everything. And we need to live like that's true and, uh, represent his kingdom and so, somebody who's an ambassador, a representative of his kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know, that, uh, that's a kingdomizer. So, we're trying to raise up kingdomizers <laughs> that uh, really that are salt and light in their nations. And so, so yeah, but yeah, so, go ahead. some
1: examples of that, uh, uh, what, do, what do you, how are you, I mean, I guess you are talking about already about how you're Im- implementing that around the country and the world. Right. Uh, we we should all be a kingdom miser, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Uh, he calls Yeah, us. so
2: many examples of people that have taken this training and and really done amazing things with it. Um, maybe I give you one example. This is one I like to go to because it, I think it just it, it helps clarify our mission as well. So one of the young men who um, this is now several years ago who was impacted by our training, um, you know, went through the equivalent of a vision conference, was a young missionary in Guatemala. He was from Peru. His name was Arturo uh, Cuba. Arturo? Yeah, Arturo. (laughs) And he went through our training. He was working Has to be a
1: good guy, Arturo. uh,
2: Yeah, he's a a really good guy, actually. Uh, He was working—him and his wife were working in the highlands of Guatemala with uh, an indigenous group called the— Pocomchi, which is uh, one of the most impoverished groups in the Western Hemisphere. They yeah. are utterly impoverished. But now it's interesting, that group, uh, Christian missionaries had come 100 years prior to Arturo being there and had planted churches. So churches existed in these very impoverished communities. And so then Arturo came in and he's, you know, trying to help them and Oh, Christian Relief and Development Organizations, by the way, had also come and they'd seen the poverty and they'd said, oh, you know, you need clean water. So they put in things like wells, but the wells, by the time Arturo arrived, were broken down and not being used. So he's like, what's going on here? Why, you know, you've received the gospel and churches are here, but you're still living in utter poverty. And and, uh, when he began asking them about that, uh, he got these kind of answers. They were uh, subsistence farmers, um, corn was their main staple and Arturo noticed that every year, rats would eat half their corn crop. And he wow. said to them, why, why are you letting the rats eat your corn? I mean, you know, your children are undernourished, your what, you know, spouses are hungry, you, you know, everything is broken because you're, you're not protecting your crop. Now, as Western people, we would go, yeah, of course, that's the problem, just fix the problem. But their answer was really interesting. Their answer was this. Well, the rats always eat half the crop. They ate half the crop of my grandparents and my great grandparents. And of course, that's what they do. (laughs) And it never occurred to them to like that, that was a problem. And Arturo thought, so they're Christians, but they don't know a really important biblical principle. And that is the principle of dominion that God has placed them in this community, in this highlands community of Guatemala To have dominion over creation for the good of the creation and their own families they don't understand that so he did a skit and that's something that dna teaches right that's a biblical principle that has real application so he did a skit and he said i want some of you to pretend that you're the rats and you just sit here and relax and you farmers you're over here working hard you got to go down to the river and carry the water and water the corn and then it's harvest time, and you farmers, you put that corn on a plate, and you serve it to those rats, and they just kick back and relax, and life is good, and they eat the corn. <laughs> he goes, and then he read Genesis chapter 1, right, where yeah. it talks about the creation of man, male and female, and yeah. how God placed them in the garden and said to them, you know, you're to have dominion over creation, uh, to steward creation. He says, who's got dominion here? You are the rats, you know, and... <laughs> And they all laughed, actually. And it was like the light bulb went off. Yeah, And they said, oh, the rats. What are we doing? And he said, gosh, do you think it should be that way? And they said, no. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? So, the, again, once they understood it, once they had that paradigm shift from a fatalistic worldview, that's what they had, you know, to a biblical worldview, the fatalistic worldview says that the spirits control things the rats there's nothing we can do you know we're we're just kind of passively receiving whatever bad stuff the world gives us <laughs> to a christian worldview that says no we're to have dominion and solve problems and steward the land right for the good of our families yeah. and again in the west we are like of course But where did that idea come from? Like, people don't ever ask that question, you know. People around the world don't have that idea.
1: That should be a resounding Um, duh. Yeah,
2: once they got that idea, guess what they did? They themselves came up with their own solutions to protect their corn crop. And their community was transformed. Wow. It wasn't transformed because of a project that a Christian relief and development organization did. They did it themselves. They're plenty smart.
1: Yeah.
2: The the barrier was a biblical barrier worldview barrier, you know, but once that barrier was broken down, they could see that kind of transformation. That's one example. I've seen that in communities all over the world. And it just, it points to the power of the biblical truths. And when people's worldviews, when they're kind of the strongholds in their minds are changed, it opens up a space for them to do things they would have never done before. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: Okay. Uh, you have, uh, you have as far as programming and so forth you have some interesting uh labels like our foundation uh our seven operating principles biblically about everything equip the church we don't have time to go through all of these uh-huh. but uh kind of kind of tell us the the uh, the high points of these i mean all right, what your foundation is about and Seven Operating Principles, um, you know, the, the list. Sure. The lists are, yeah. are really clear the air of who you really are.
2: Yeah. Where in so, our last
1: two minutes I just found out?
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll be real quick. Yeah, so we try to boil down the essence of our ministry, and people can learn, you know, what you're talking about, Art, by going on our website, disciplenations.org. And we've tried to boil down the essence of our teaching in terms of of what we call seven foundational truths, uh, or, yeah, uh, I think it's seven. I should know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's the, yeah, it's the essence of our teaching. Number one is Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, you know. Number two, Christianity isn't just a message of salvation, but a comprehensive worldview, you know. Number three, the role of the church is to represent that worldview in order to be a blessing to the nations and et cetera, um so it's those these are all biblical truths, but they're the essential ones that we're trying to teach in our training. And then yeah, the principles that you're talking about are just how we do that kind yes. what's our MO, you know, in, in terms okay. of going about doing that. Yeah.
1: Well um, Scott Allen uh and DNA Disciple Nations Alliance, thank you for being our guest today. It's it's and and Kingdomizers is what we should we should be striving to be. Kingdomizers like absolutely. That. And yeah. if anyone wants to become a kingdomizer, <laughs> you want to
2: become a kingdomizer and be a part of what God wants to do to bring absolutely. change to our nation and the nations of the world. disciplenations.org. dot
1: Yeah. Thank you for being our guest today, uh, Steve uh, Scott Scott Allen, and um, on the Rescuers show show today, you and DNA are rescuers. God bless you.
2: Thanks, Art. God bless you.
0: Skewers Thursdays at 5:30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.